We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the Pack-A-Day podcast live edition here on YouTube or maybe on Twitter if you're viewing it there. I'm your host, Andy Herman. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. I'm once again joined by two amazing guests, two people I am thrilled to be talking Packers with. The first is from Acme Packing Company. He is a, what is it, a uh, Pro Bowl long napper, uh, Justice? All pro long napper? I forget which one it is. But uh, you can follow him on Twitter at Jumosk, J-U-M-O-S-Q, of course. One of my absolute favorite Packer people. Make sure to follow him. And of course, the one and only, the publisher of Packer Reports. You can also find him covering North Dakota State and Creighton University. He's also a longtime member of the Pack-A-Day podcast as well. The one and only Ross Uglum. Follow him, Ross Uglum. Fellas, how the heck are you doing? Thanks so much for joining me today. I can't complain. How are you doing, Ross? (laughs) Truly spectacular. Anytime coming off a win, especially in Florida, especially against Tom Brady, whether it was 14 to 12 or not. We'll take it. We'll take it every day of the week. Uh, Justice, how does this compare nerves-wise to being on Mina Kimes' show? Uh, basically very similar. Uh, you know, I know it's uh, – this is probably a bigger deal, I would think. But, uh, you know, that was pretty amazing, by the way. Yeah, I appreciate it. Yeah, Mina's, Mina's always a good hang. Um, love doing her show. She only lets me on, like, once a year, usually Smart. early on in the season. So – it was nice to get it out of the way. Absolutely. And Ross, obviously you've been crushing it at Packer Reports upon further review up today. Uh, you know, we'll obviously get you to, to uh, plug everything at the end, but uh, let, let's talk about this game because we had a lot going on. Clearly a Packers win in Florida, as you mentioned, Ross, uh, so rare uh, that, you know, I don't even know where to go with that. But uh, we also had David Bakhtiari's return from injury, which is clearly a huge deal. I want to start there because I think that's you know, obviously one of the huge takeaways from this game is Bakhtiari's return plays pretty darn well in his return. Justice, I'll, I'll start with you. What were your thoughts on, on what that return meant to this team, what it means moving forward and, and how you felt he played in this game? I think in general, 
I mean, the way that the team talks about it, it seems like they're just happy that Bakhtiari's out there, right? I mean, we even heard it, you know, when they talked about Elton Jenkins and stuff like that. Um, I think that's kind of the takeaway. Um, when I watched the film, they didn't actually have that many drop back passes with Bakhtiari in the game. Um, I cut up the film. Uh, I, I put up, you know, kind of like a super cut of him dropping back from uh, the end zone angle of the all 22. It's on my Twitter if you guys want to check it out. Um, he had eight drop back snaps, uh, two of them. They had pretty clear, uh, you know, chip help. Um, I thought it looked like he didn't really trust his knee a hundred percent. Like that left knee, he's taking really short strides with it. It seems like he's carrying a lot of weight with that right leg. Um, I'm sure that's going to get fixed in time, but you know, obviously there was that, uh, that play against who is it? Uh, Joe Tryon, um, yeah. off, off of the left edge where, you know, they were able to get a pressure. It didn't turn into a sack, but there was a pretty early pressure, and I think a lot of that had to do with the leg. Um, it kind of seems like he's not 100% as of yet, but he also is playing his first, you know, significant snaps in, in two years. So I, I don't think we should be surprised by that either. No. Ross, what did you think of the return and kind of what it means moving forward? It reminded me a little bit of Elton's return. Obviously, Elton played, I think, all all of the snaps at right tackle against the Bears, but you saw him, like, grab, give up a couple sacks, just kind of getting his feet under him, a uh, little bit of a baby deer look, and I think you kind of had the same thing with Bach. I would um, assume, and, and look, I think a lot of that has to do with, like, Deatric Wise being the best pass rusher that cometh uh, for the New England Patriots, but I just think you're going to see um, game two, game three, game four for both Elton and David Bakhtiari to, I think, look cleaner. They're going to look more – uh, agile, if you will, um, and, and just more confident. And I think anybody that's ever had an injury uh, understands that like there's the rehab part and that's great. And there's getting back to practice. And then there's actually stopping another human that wishes you ill. And then, and, and, and then like moving forward th through even that and, and just feeling good about yourself. And I think, um, you know, the, the, the Nyman rotation thing was interesting um, but Bach was, was fine with it afterwards. And, and, and I think, um, you know, kind of slow rolling this thing and, and maybe, uh, 31 snaps instead of 65 snaps is a, is a good thing. Yeah. I don't mind going in that direction either. And I, I think it left open the opportunity where if all of a sudden they did need to go to overtime and they felt really great about Bakhtiari and maybe Yash is struggling, it maybe would have allowed them uh, to play him in that situation rather than just using up all of his snaps at the beginning of the game and then bringing Yash in from there. So it didn't mind it. And I, I think not going from, you know, zero snaps over basically two year, I guess, 20 some snaps in the two year period to, uh, you know, all of a sudden playing 70 degrees in the heat of Tampa, probably not the greatest idea either. So I, I like the thinking, um, you know, I think to justice's point with, you know, kind of how he, you know, didn't trust his knee to the full extent and not being a full 100%. I think the question moving forward is like, is this just the new 100% for David Bakhtiari? Is, is that like what it's going to be moving forward? And I, I agree with you, Ross. I think there's going to be just some rust to work off, and I think he's going to be totally fine moving forward. But obviously that's going to be one of the really key things to, to sort of keep an eye on moving forward. But Ross, what, you know, let's say Bakhtiari is good to go and he looks like Bakhtiari. Let's just say left tackle is chef kiss, amazing, all pro left tackle. Um, how would you like to see this has obviously been the big topic for discussion. Even Matt LaFleur mentioned that there's been some fun conversation within the confines of 1265. How would you like to see this offensive line line up moving forward? 
Uh, personally, I'd throw Elton Jenkins at guard. And, and I, I think, you know, whatever you want to say about it, well, he's going to get paid that guy. He's going to get paid like a guy that can play all five positions. Yeah. He, he He's going to get paid. It doesn't matter where his snaps are. Um, I think, you know, they've got really four tackles on the roster, which is like one and a half more tackles than the average NFL team has on the roster. So uh, whether you want to throw Zach Tom at right tackle, I would guess that they would throw Yosh Nyman at, at right tackle. I've seen some folks talking about, okay, we'll have Runyon, you know, because Elton feels better at left guard, so move Run- don't move Runyon. Just play Elton Jenkins at right guard. I promise you he can do it, especially after learning the right-handed stuff with right tackle. You kick him inside. I I, I'm, I want people to understand, too, like at this point in Royce Newman's career, if he's Josh Sitton or TJ Lang at the same point in their careers, they're not full-time starters yet. Like Royce's timeline is I'm not ready to give up on Royce, but right now he's just not one of their best five. He He's a, he's fine, he, fine-ish. But he's not one of their best five. I personally, and I don't think they're going to do this, I would put uh, Elton at right guard, not move anyone else, and let it be Yosh, let it be Zach Tom. I don't care. But that's that's where I'm at. I don't think that's what they'll do. Justice? No, I agree. I mean, I think Elton's best spot is at guard. Um, just the way that they, their roster shakes out, I think they have more tackles than they have guards. That's really what it boils down to. Absolutely. And it's the same thing. You know, I, I agree with Ross. Like, if Elton plays guard – he's still going to get paid like a top five right tackle. There's only like five right tackles who are making as much money as like the top five guards in the NFL too. So like this whole idea of like, he's going to turn down money. That's not really how this thing ends up working out. Unless someone decides like Elton Jenkins is going to be my left tackle on the open market. Like we saw with, uh, who is it? Like Orlando Brown, right? Like that, that was a situation that kind of played out. Um, but he's not going to be exposed to free agency or trade. Like the team will pay him if, if, you know, that's what they need to do moving forward. I think I'd probably play Zach Tom at right tackle, just the way that they've talked about Nyman not being comfortable on the right side. Um, Tom does have strength issues, though, at this point. I mean, he is a very light tackle for his size. Like, I think, you know, even in the preseason, you could watch him on, like, field goal protection, and he's getting walked back a little bit, and it's like, oh, man, he could have some problem with some length and strength out there. Um, but I'd do something, man. Like, I'd, I'd keep playing around with it on the right side and just try to get Newman out of there because – Newman's been okay. I think Newman's been definitely better than he was last season. He looked better at guard. Um, at least tackle is not the position for him, um, in my opinion. I think he just kind of had to do that in a pinch. Same with Hanson. I think Hanson's a backup center. I don't think he's necessarily a guard moving forward. Um, so that's just kind of my thoughts on the situation. But if you could get Tom playing some pretty good football and you get Jenkins in at guard – you know, you know, Runyon, and if Bach is healthy, that's a great left side. Myers has been a little bit up and down, but, you know, you, you like to see what he's doing, you know, this early into his – I mean, he hasn't even played 16 games yet. You know what I mean? So if, if they can get that going, I think that's a pretty good offensive line. You look at the rest of the NFC, everyone's banged up. Look at the Tampa line we just played, right? Look at what the Rams are dealing with right now. Look at what the Cowboys are dealing right th- with right now. The only real contender that has a great offensive line is the Eagles. Yeah. Which is crazy because they're the team that have like beat up offensive line for years. They still got Dillard out hurt. Maybe he's just a depth piece of this. And that game. Tom thing with strength, I don't want to I mean to like jump in, but like if you get him in a situation where he's next to Elton, they're gonna be a ton of snaps where the guy to his left is Elton Jenkins and the guy to his right is big dog. 
Like yeah. that, that you're, you're going to be able to, if you have functional mm-hmm. strength issues, you're going to be able to mask that, especially on rundowns by having two absolute dogs on either side of him. And the way that they're doing with the pin and pull stuff too, like they just keep going to this pin and pull run scheme, you know, relative to last year, right? And Zach Where, Tom is a space alien. Yeah. So like <laughs> it, if you keep doing that, like that negates a lot of those problems where if you're not just a inside zone, outside zone duo team where, you know, you're kind of, there are combo blocks, but a lot of times, it's, you know, one-on-ones in space and stuff. If, if you don't have to do that anymore and you can get him either pulling or all he has to do is down block a guy. Right. And, and, you know, the play's basically happening outside of him. I think that goes a long way for a guy who's kind of built like that, too. I'm torn. Let me ask you guys this before I, I go in a different direction. How have you felt Elton's been at right tackle these past two weeks? Because um, I'm willing to chalk it up to all right, guys coming off an ACL and he's playing basically a position that he hasn't played before outside of like 30 some snaps in his career. Um, but I was not. I was somewhat concerned over the, the the two games from Elton at right tackle. Yeah, I mean, I think it's fine. I, I think it will be fine, more accurately. I think it will be fine. Um, uh, chalk it up to, you know, playing Robert Quinn and uh, uh, although Quinn mostly lined up at right end, but chalk it up to decent pass rushers on the other side, decent defensive lines on the other side, and chalk it up to the ACL thing. Um, you're right. I mean, he did play mostly left tackle last year, but uh, I, I just think he's capable of it. Just yeah. I mean, you keep him out there. You keep him out there, you know, as long as you can. I'm not too worried about moving him back to the left side. Um, I do agree. He probably hasn't had his best games. Um, you know, I think probably, what was it, week two against Chicago, him and him and Myers had pretty below average games for, for what they usually bring to the table. But again, I mean, this is a guy who's coming off an of injury, and I know Bakhtiari came off of injury more recently, right? But Jenkins had his injury more recently. Yeah, like, I mean, he, he was injured mid-season last year, so I just assume this is one of the few situations in the NFL where it's like the injured player is actually going to get healthier during the season, which is not usually how this thing ends up working out. Um, so I, I think he'll be fine, but I guess it's something that we'll see. I mean, the the big thing for me. This past week in the passing game, the Packers used less chip protection for their tackles than they had the previous two weeks. Right. I mean, Tony was the second in targets uh, this past weekend. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, Tonya's talked about it. Um, I think he said it on the bus and the boys podcast, like uh, when, when Bakhtiari went down, he was kind of disappointed because like his game basically ended up turning into a bunch of chip hope for, for Nyman. Right. And you know, now, now that, if they trust their tackles and even if they're on islands a little bit more and they can get, you know, maybe there's a little bit more pressure, but you get an extra guy out in the route, every single passing play, I bet that goes a long way too. So, so if I'm reading between the lines, your feeling is that for both of you guys, that Elton's going to be just fine at right tackle, but the deficiency is Royce Newman. So you'd rather see Elton pinch into right guard just to get Royce out and then either Zach Tom or Yash Nyman at right tackle just to do the Packers' best five on the line. Yeah, my percent. Yeah. Okay, gotcha. That's how I felt since the summer, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's yeah. excited to to have like Newman out there, and I'm like, I don't know why is Zach Tom getting left guard snaps in practice. That's the last spot that I want to see him play at. That that was one of the more weird things because even if like you feel like that's his best position, it's just like that spot should be blocked. Like you don't need to do anything with Runyon; just keep him there. He's oh. gonna be he's gonna be totally fine. So 
I'm more of like for now, keep Elton at right tackle and Royce at right guard and see if they can gel and make something happen on the right side. I'm also of the belief that with Zach Tom, like when he first came um, to train, like to rookie minicamp OTAs and I saw him in person, I'm like, man, he's just, he's going to have to put on some size. Like, and I like, it's, it's a testament to him that like, he's this close just because he's, you know, he's a freak athlete. He looks like a tight end. Yeah. He very much does. It's crazy. Um, and his footwork is so great. And like, he's picking up stunts and twists in his, in, in mini camps. Like he's a, you know, 10 year veteran, like some of that stuff is so freaking impressive, but I, I think he can be the, the starter long-term wherever, like literally wherever you want to put him once he just puts on a little bit more strength. But for right now, I almost lean towards like, let's see if we can get Elton playing at a high level at right tackle. And if that happens, then you've got your, your bookend tackles as good as anyone in the league, assuming again, Bakhtiari is good to go. And like, if, if John Rennie Jr. is your third and Josh Myers is your fourth and Royce Newman is your fifth, um, I feel really good overall about that being your five, if that's the case. Now, um, and then I, at the same token, like, fine, like, you know, rep, you know, Zach Tom at right guard or at right tackle. And if all of a sudden he's looking great, then like make the switch. But I think for the time being, I would kind of keep things status. I'm not quite as down on the, the Royce Newman five as I think most are, even though like, I'm, that's not a, a huge vote of confidence for Newman. He's still my lowest graded uh, offensive player through actually might be my lowest graded player overall uh, on the team through three weeks. So I think there's an opportunity for growth there, but I'm not super inclined to change it quite yet. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I do think that there is a benefit to just getting these guys some experience playing with the five that are out there. I mean, even on, what was it, the slot fade to Lazard? Um, Nate Tice, my buddy, pointed it out on Twitter and said, you know, you could hear Royce Newman say, like, Ray, 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 like they're trying to fan out to the right side. No one ends up picking out a guy off the edge, and Rodgers has a dude in his face as he tries to attempt that throw. Now he completes it because he's Aaron damn Rodgers, but, like, (laughs) you know, some of those things can go wrong, right? I mean, those are the mistakes that you'd like to see get fixed if they have more experience playing next to each other, right? So. Absolutely. And I hope that's the case. And we'll see, like, you know, Yash could easily be out there too, but as you you guys have already alluded to, it doesn't seem like they're too high on him on the right side. So it's going to be interesting. And like Matt LaFleur said, it sounds like they've had a lot of conversations within the building of how to kind of go about this as well. So definitely something uh, to kind of keep an eye on moving forward. I I think they like Royce more than almost anyone likes Royce, which is fine. But I just, I keep getting the feeling that like, they really like Royce Newman. Um, liked him well enough to start him at right tackle against Daniel Hunter. Anyway, do we have a, like an all-pro team of like 
players that the Packers like way more <laughs> than like anyone that's actually watching the game seems to like said player because there's like a laundry list of players where you're like, man, why is this player out there? Tyler Davis. Yeah. Brad Jones is the captain. Brad Jones. Fantastic. Brad example. Jones is the captain. <laughs> yeah. There's been a laundry list of players throughout the year uh, of players that you're like, I don't get it, but the Packers always seem to love them. It does seem like Royce Newman might be one of those players. Um, all right. Uh, Justice, I got to ask you, you, you put a great article out about two running back sets and the fact that hasn't exactly been working out according to plan. I fully believe that as well and haven't been a huge fan of some of the things I've seen. I think they've kind of gotten a little bit too predictable um, in some of those situations, but I'm going to let you take it away because you did all the research and writing on it. Yeah. So the big thing to think about, right? Zone run plays. Zone run plays, you have to handle the backside edge rusher in some way, form, or fashion, right? So that's, you know, a bootleg, right? That's a tight end slicing across the formation and kicking him out. That's a fullback handling him some sort of way. What the Packers are doing for the most part, they're getting, when they have two running backs on the field, right? A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones, and this is something Stenovich has talked about throughout the summer. We want to get our best five skill players out on the field, and that's perfectly fine. But what they're doing is they're running split back gun, right? One guy to each side of Aaron Rodgers. And for the most part, it's a bubble with one of the running backs out of the backfield, and it's some sort of a zone run, right? And what's happening now is teams are handling the bubble with the numbers. So Rodgers is basically doing a pre-snap read with that, right? So he's just doing a count, and it's like, yes, no, am I handing off a ball? Well, the problem is they're just sending that edge that edge defender who's being unblocked, right, screaming down the line of scrimmage. We saw it on um, – there was a, a corner blitz that Tampa sent uh, last last week, and then we saw at week one that RPO, uh, the fourth and goal with Zadarius Smith, where he chased down Aaron Jones from the back and, and you know created a turnover on downs. Basically, the way that it's working is Rodgers is reading you know pre snap numbers count and then deciding run or pass, but because they're not handling that guy and they're not reading him, it's creating problems for the offense. I mean, the defense is still plus one. In an ideal world, it's pre snap. I'm looking at at the numbers for the wide receiver screen or the little swing screen. And then your eyes turn to the defensive end and you're reading that guy and it basically turns into a read option play. Now the question is, do you want to run the read option with the 38-year-old quarterback and let the defense decide the back-to-back MVP passer is running the ball here? That's probably not what you want to do, but that's what defenses are making them do with the structure of this offense. So I don't know if like maybe they can get into it and they're using an off-ball tight end, and he's slicing across the formation, kicking that guy out, and it turns into you know one wide receiver blocking on the swing screen instead of two wide receivers blocking on the swing screen or something like that. They got to figure something out because they're really running like 2008 RPOs when we're living in a world now where defenses know exactly how to force a quarterback to run the ball in that situation. That's why Alabama and those college teams all use off-ball tight ends. It's because they handle that backside of the line of scrimmage. They don't want their quarter. They don't want the decision of where running the quarterback taking out of the offensive coordinator's hands. They want to choose when the quarterback runs. And that's something that, you know, it's being a hand that's forced for Green Bay right now. It's funny that you say that because I don't know how many times I've watched that play over and over and just am like, man, if that's Lamar at quarterback, like he is gone because they're not accounting for the quarterback at all. And you're, of course, you know, Rodgers isn't going to keep very often, if at all, maybe in a goal line situation. He mentioned in the the Minnesota game Mm -hmm. that he should have kept it, which he should have. Um, But like, again, that's that's not what you want out of Aaron Rodgers at this point. So, Ross, anything that you've seen from this or anything creatively that you'd like to see them do differently with Dylan and Jones? 
Yeah, uh, you know, Justice, I think, nailed a lot of it because if, if you're not going to have, like you mentioned, a tight end coming back around, you're – your, your two options are basically Rodgers keeps the ball or there's some sort of a vertical aspect where you're you're threatening them on account of, okay, now now you're you're committing someone down to the bubble. You're committing multiple guys probably down to the bubble because of the blockers and you're you're crashing the the backside end. So you're, we maybe like our numbers vertical for Watson or Dubs or whomever um, off of something like that. But yeah, it's uh that that's obviously something that they've they've you know put in that they love with the the bubble and the backside but if if no one's going to respect their ability to go deep and no one's going to respect rogers basically daring an old man who is extremely important to what they want to do for the rest of the season to to run up the backside yeah it's um it's exactly right i but i, I do think that there are obviously um more things that you can do with those two guys on the field, Jones in the slot Jones out wide. You saw, you know, I, I, the one, the game that always comes to mind for me is at Kansas city when Pat was out, but Devonte was also out. They put those linebackers for Kansas city. They can't run in all sorts of impossible positions because they had to match up personnel with Jones, because what happens when you bring the pony package is you've got obviously spotters and the defensive staff of the other team matching up with that personnel. So the split back zone or the split back shotgun is not the only way you can line up. You can do other stuff and use the personnel that they sent out there when they saw, you know, and especially if it's Tunyon or Mercedes, if they see two backs and a tight end go out there, they're going to be in heavy purse or, or at least they're going to, they're going to be in a situation where, they're putting someone in space to cover Aaron Jones. If you choose to do that, that is probably not well suited to do so. And the frustrating thing with Tampa is it really was like boutique calls for what, you know, Green Bay was throwing out there. They were out there in nickel personnel matching up to 21 and they were sitting at back in too high, taking away the passing game, crashing down on the backside of the run. And it's like, Okay, we can't. Why is all this working? Plays. Yeah, we, we can't. <laughs> we can't run these plays if they're going to be doing this. We have to come up with something else. Um, I charted the offense uh, the first three games of the season. The pro- pony personnel in split back gun, they're averaging two point six yards per play. When they're in pony and not in split back gun, they're averaging seven point nine yards per play. Uh, their RPO rate drops down to twenty nine percent when they're not in split back gun, and it's in the sixties when they are. And most of that, again, is just the swing screens out of the backfield, right? Um, so there there are ways. I mean, they got that touchdown to Aaron Jones, lined up at wide receiver and running jet motion stuff. We basically didn't run jet motion um, in this game outside of that play, right? And then um, they can do interesting things. So, like, let's say they go out and nickel, right? Okay, Aaron Jones is in the backfield. You have a tight end. You know, you're already plus one in terms of that, right? Why can't, you know, A.J. Dillon line up as a wing tight end? Why can't he do that and and help out in that way, right? Like do some of like the Lazard type of stuff with AJ Dillon, and like you got to figure out a way how to bully these guys in some way because it can't be all finesse, right? If they're gonna go nickel too high and shut you down, you got to be able to beat them up and make them pay a little bit. So move these guys around. Don't have them both be in the backfield. It's also very hard to get running backs involved in the passing game when they're both eight yards into the backfield. That's a, that's another issue. Like what? What are you gonna do? Run wheel routes with both of them? Now you're in five man protection. They they aren't 
getting much done um, passing game wise either. I think yards per uh, play on play action, it's 5.8 yards per play. They're actually minus 2.7 yards per play on straight dropback passes because they've thrown two incompletes and taken a sack. Um, just got to be better. Just got to be better there. You know, Aaron Rodgers says, has said, you know, after the last two games, like, we're just scratching the surface with what we can do in the post- pony personnel packages and stuff like that. And it's like, we got to see it eventually. I know you're Get probably – into the bag then, please. Yeah, I, I know you're probably saving a little bit. And um, I guess LaFleur told – you know, Greg Olson was talking about this during the broadcast. Like, if I drop 30% of our plays, you know, to go out of Pony and then one of them get hurt, we have to scrap the whole thing. Well, it's like, you can't just be running swing screens, man. Because if we know this, right, if we know this, yes. Tampa yeah. clearly knows this. Yeah. And every team that you're going to play is going to break down that Tampa game and say, this is how you nail it down. I think you already uh, debunked my theory here, Justice. But um, let me ask you anyway. Do you feel like teams are playing Green Bay differently in the pony now that Devontae Adams isn't the one that's wide to the outside where they have to keep extra eyes and attention on him? Which to me, I go back to that Rams playoff game uh, where they used you know a handful of these plays and they got A.J. Dillon running up in extremely advantageous, I think it was like five or six man boxes with like you know a huge advantage in, in his favor um because they were accounting for Devonte on the outside they were accounting for the screen to jones the, the little bubble on the outside to jones and now dylan's got numbers on the inside it just doesn't seem but if they're playing if they're playing too high safety still then maybe i'm wrong but it felt like having that threat of Devonte on one side was a, a huge component of that that they just don't have anymore well tampa was playing too high and then sending corners and nickels right and that's something i don't think you probably see if, if Devonte's out there right because you want a body just taking up a block and right. stuff like that sometimes. Um, I do think defenses are playing them differently, 100%. I mean, it became pretty apparent in the Minnesota game. Teams didn't care, or I guess Minnesota didn't care about whoever was lined up at X, right? I mean, they were having Harrison Smith just, like, poach across the side of the field, and it's like, oh, they're not really worried about, you know, an isolated receiver anymore, which is totally different than what Green Bay's playing, been playing, you know, the past two years under LaFleur. Yeah, no, it's going to be interesting to see what they do. I'm with Ross. They got to figure out a way to be a bit more creative with those players. Obviously, you know, Justice, you echo the same sentiment. So they're going to have to figure out something moving forward because they want to get those two guys on the field, but they just got to be less predictable in doing so. Um, The other thing I I really wanted to touch base on as well, and Ross, you would, I think, tweeted this out yesterday. I think Aaron Nagler tweeted it out as well today. Um, But that's about Razul Douglas. And he certainly seemed extremely comfortable back at outside corner when Jair went out and Keyshawn Nixon came into the slot, maybe not as quite comfortable yet uh, in the nickel in the slot, um, you, you know, where he's making the move, but what have you seen from Douglas so far, Austin? And, and what was your observation based upon? Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just bring some, some numbers from pro football focus, not, not grading. We won't talk about grading, but just, just their um, flat out coverage numbers. You know, last season, I did look it up. He was over 99% at wide corner. Took like three total slot corner snaps all last season. Uh, and and last year, um, he gave up, let's see, uh, 51% of the balls thrown his way at 10 yards a clip. Um, picked off five passes and broke up another seven. And the quarterback rating throwing at him was 46.3. You go and, and, and then look at his nickel work against Minnesota. Uh, gives up 100% of the balls thrown his way. 
same thing against now the one against Chicago was for negative four yards. Everybody <laughs> remembers that sweet play, but given given up a hundred percent of catches, and, and I know that's nonsense, but then you 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 see what happens to him against Tampa and and just gets beat on a an inside move by Brashad Perriman and and I'm not saying he's gonna always give up a hundred percent of the, the 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 balls thrown at him, but like He's a six foot two, two hundred and ten pound outside zone corner. What are we doing here? Not, and and he's a guy that has like over and over and over again shown that he is there to box out those those outside wide receivers and just out physical guys. And especially, um, I think if the officials are letting him play a little bit, Rasul's really, really, really nasty. And and you saw um, they tried to go back shoulder on him, and and he used his long arms to knock that one away. Another time, uh, I think it was a deep comeback, and he literally caught the receiver in the air and threw his feet out of bounds. Like he has been an elite level outside corner since the day he came to Green Bay within this this system that that Barry runs. And then you move him to nickel because why? Because you you're paying Ja twenty one million, and and that that designates that he has to play outside. If I looked, if if Eric Stokes, Rasul Douglas, and I'm not. I'm not some, you know, I'm not Joe Witt Jr. I'm not some sort of secondary. I'm not, I'm not like the, the world's smartest secondary coach. But if Eric Stokes and Rasul Douglas and, and Ja walk into the studio right now, first of all, it'd be very crowded. But secondly, I, I would just look at Ja and be like, oh, you play nickel. And then if, especially if you gave me their, uh, uh, you know, athletic features, like, what do you want out of a nickel? Well, I need someone who's agile. I need someone with good change of direction. I need someone who's explosive. Well, that's kind of not Sewell. Sewell is the big, strong outside corner. And I think if you just talked him into it, Jair would be the best nickel in the league. In my, like, I really do. I think he'd be the best slot corner in the whole league. So what are we doing here? Is it because he makes $21 million a year? Is it because – you know, some of the best receivers in the, in the, in the league line up outside. Well, you didn't follow Justin Jefferson with them. So what are we, what are we doing? I mean, that I, anyway, that's a, it's a little bit of a rant for me, but that's, that's where I'm at with this whole thing. I like Ross rants, just as what you yeah. <laughs> No, I, I kind of agree because I mean, if you're going to play quarter so much, all, all those targets are going to come across them. I mean, how many shots did we see of Tom Brady hitting guys down the sideline? It wasn't that it was to the linebackers. Right. And it was to guys, covering the flats as the nickel, right? So, I mean, it makes sense. The The one thing I do wonder is, are they still worried long-term about Josh Shoulder? Yeah, that's the big one. Where, you know, the San Francisco game, they had him playing in the slot, and then San Francisco basically was getting into situations where they would just try to run the ball right at him, and Green Bay ended up pulling him halfway through that game. So it was like, okay, they must be worried about that. So if they're still worried about that, I could see that being a reason. But otherwise, like – I don't even think about it necessarily as like the necessarily like corner and outside corner and stuff like that. But like, where are the targets going? And I want Jair around the ball. And if you're going to play a ton of quarters, everything's going to be in the flats and it's going to be over the middle of the field. So if we can get Jair to do that, that'd be great. Like if Jair is the guy who's he, he knew to, to pass off the crosser against Minnesota when Justin Jefferson had that long touchdown up the sideline. Right. Rasul didn't know didn't know how to handle that when Eric Stokes got ran off. He assumed Stokes is going to be there. So that's one where it's like, let's get our best player around the ball more often. That'd be cool. Before the any, you know, mini camps, OTAs, anything, 
I, I predicted and I'm like, they're going to play Razul in the slot. They're going to play John on the outside because of the shoulder on early downs. And it, if it, it, you know, run past downs, right. Or on that situation, just because I don't think they're going to want him going up against the George, etc. cetera. I, I just don't think they're going to want to do that. Um, but I thought for sure, without question on obvious passing downs, that it would be Jair Alexander in the slot all day, every day. And we have not seen that. And to me, that's the easiest. They, just don't, move them. they don't move yeah, any. They, they don't move any. did a little bit in the Minnesota game after Jefferson was kind of, you know, beating him <laughs> up a little bit, but like not enough and uh, and not early enough. But I, I thought for sure, obvious passing downs, it's going to be John the slot, especially if guys like Justin Jefferson are in the slot. And we just haven't seen that. I, I do think that needs to be a little bit of an evolution. I get not maybe wanting to play them, him there full time, but man, it, you know, third and longs, et cetera, like get him as, as Justice is saying, get him where the targets are because that that's where he needs to be. Yeah, if you're gonna right. throw jump balls at Douglas or Stokes, okay, I can I can live with that. Yeah, I can yeah I can live with that. Stokes, I mean that's one thing too. Like we saw Stokes, he got burnt what in man coverage really early on in that Minnesota game, but we basically haven't heard from him since. Um, and a lot yeah. of it's just because they're playing deep zone. Yeah, right? Brady like, wasn't having it over there. Yeah, so if he's running deep zones and he's that fast, you're just not going to target him. So it's like okay, that part of the field is canceled, right? I mean. How many times have we seen Jaw involved in plays that are up the sideline? We saw him get that interception on that broken play, you know, moving across the field and stuff like that, and hell of a play by him in general on it. But um, we're not seeing teams take shots up the sideline. And if we're playing quarters with our really expensive, really good cornerbacks, maybe we should start moving them around a little bit and try to get them around the ball a little bit more. Totally agreed. And, yeah, if they want to take shots, I guess what I wanted to say is more of uh, – you know, sometimes I feel like you almost need an injury and to like see a player play back in a position to be like, okay, that guy, like, I agree with you, Ross, you go back and you watch Rizul in this game and it's tough to be like, yeah, I want to move him off of outside corner because he played extremely well and it just seems to fit him extremely well. It so. was crazy how much the light went back on. I mean, his swagger, like his confidence hit, it, it, he, he's like, yeah, this is where I'm supposed to be right here. He's like, he got his boxing gloves back. He's Absolutely. Like, oh, right now. He's like, yeah. yeah. It's like in the slot, he kind of gets some of his superpowers taken away and just doesn't feel as comfortable. But uh, last thing I want to ask is we saw a second half from Todd Bowles where they played a lot more physical press man up front, two safeties over the top, and, you know, kind of challenged those, you know, Green Bay wide receivers uh, to beat them. And it clearly was a much bigger struggle. Justice, I'll start with you here. Is this a formula for defensive success moving forward? Uh, or did Green Bay just not adjust quickly enough, getting to some of their man beaters, their bunch formations, those sort of things? Um, or is this something that Green Bay is going to have to worry about from other defenses moving forward? Uh, I just don't think that they kind of expected it, right? Um, being their second half adjustment um, seemed like they kind of started getting it rolled again when you know they're taking slot fade shots at Alan Lazard. But I don't think that they were expecting basically like man blitzes out of too high and super light boxes like that one play against uh, Tampa that I explained earlier out of pony split back gun. Um, so I don't know. I, I think it just caught them by surprise and they already had so much success. They're getting off the field super quick in the second half. I think a lot of it just kind of jumped up on them. I mean, that's fair. Ross, what about you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think, you know, you're, you're, uh, you're, you're, split zone and your fake split zone boots and, and all those things and your bunches and all that works better, obviously against 
when they're trying to do stuff like that. But um, at the same time, when they get Watson and Dubs back too, um, I, I don't know how close I'd get to either of those two. Dubs is a little thinner framed and, and struggles a little bit more with press, but now Christian's got to catch the ball when it gets there. But uh, I, I wouldn't press him. I, I Sincerely, I would not. And uh, th- neither of them are Devontae Adams, but maybe neither of them have to be, especially as, with as well as Randall Cobb is playing currently and, and Lazard being what he is. Those two as vertical threats, I'm I'm hopeful at least, uh, can not have teams condense because that's that's the last thing you want is is a, is a condensed defense that you can't beat because the number one thing they want to do and look guys, other teams do not have Tampa's front and Tampa's linebackers and frankly Tampa's press corners, but it is still a blueprint that was laid out that hey this is how you can. Uh, you know, hold Aaron Rodgers to, to 14 points. So it, it'll be interesting to see going forward, but I do think that there are more answers to that. I also think, Hey, it's, it's very similar to what you saw when MVS wasn't available against the 49ers. They just, they just condensed it down and green Bay could not move the ball. I do yeah. think one nice thing that we saw was even though, you know, they didn't have the best games. I think the be- the tackles not allowing very much pressure in those situations where they were sending a bunch of blitzes was nice to see. Um, it'll be interesting to see what New England does this upcoming week, right? Yeah. I mean, we know Bill wants to do he, – he's going to try to take away whatever you do best, right, no matter who Bill Belichick is, no matter what his horses are. So it'll be interesting to see kind of his evaluation of the Packers' offense and, like, what he tries to take away, right? Because I think that gives you a hint of, like – I assume it's going to be the run. run. I, I assume it's going to be the run. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see, though, because, I mean, if he's one of those coaches who's not afraid to play man coverage, right? I mean, there's a ton of teams right now that don't want to play man. Packers really don't. I mean, they play cover one, but, like, off cover one. It's not like they're playing man pressing up and, and daring you to beat them deep or anything like that. So I don't think the game's going to be very competitive this Sunday, um, but it'll be interesting to see, like, what the game plan New England has for them. Are you not a Brian Hoyer believer, Justice? I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Can't Did get you know, zap. Eight, eight years with the Patriots. This is his second start. That's amazing. That is pretty crazy. The, the Packers have a start against him, right? Did, what, did he start for the Bears once? I think, I feel I like so, maybe yeah. he did. But um, yeah, I, but I saw some crazy stat. I don't know if it's true or not, but like that Hoyer has like lost like a ridiculous amount of games when he started in a row or something. That's like, I don't know. Like it, it was like, huh. I don't know. I don't, I don't want to trust it because it was on Twitter, but it's Chase uh, Daniel way. level finesse stuff. Yeah. It, this is uh, this is one Green Bay's got to win at home, to say the least. All right, very last thing, and then I'm going to get you guys out of here. Ross, I know uh, at times there has, has been a little bit of, uh, I don't know, disbelief in the, the Joe Barry uh, system, the Joe Barry defensive coordinator. Uh, I'm curious your thoughts through three games. The results overall pretty good. The process hit and miss. Um, but what have, what's been your Joe Barry experience through three games this year so far? abject disbelief after week one. I just thought that that was one of the worst game plans I've, I've ever seen. Um, and then I'm I, like, what do you get a p- participation trophy for beating Justin Fields? I don't, I don't know. And, and honestly, like, what do you like? The Tampa thing was a 44 year old quarterback with no one to throw to and no one to block for him. So um, I'm still skeptical would be fine <laughs> for a word. And, and especially, um, like I, I, I've written, um, you know, I think there are parallels to the 
San Francisco game that they lost in the playoffs. Jimmy G was a mediocre quarterback who was hurt. A lot of people wanted to, you know, give Barry his flowers for, oh, it was the offense's fault. And I'm not absolving the offense of, of their performance in that game, but things were working. Things were working for 58 minutes. And all of a sudden uh, he panics, goes in a shell and, and Jimmy G dog walks him down the field for the, for the, uh, you know, game winning field goal worked for 58 minutes and then goes in a shell and Tom Brady dog walks him down the field for what could have been the tying touchdown. Um, yeah, I, I, uh, I'm not sold. And, and unfortunately, you know, we're, we're going to get, I mean, it depends on how you view it. Right. But, uh, great radio here, great video, whatever this may be, you know, you're going to have, okay. So we're going to have Brian Hoyer. Okay, cool. Um, Daniel Jones. Okay, cool. The Jets. Okay, cool. I'm not going to disparage Carson Wentz, but I probably should. <laughs> and then you finally go to Buffalo. Like that week eight game in Buffalo, the the, the pass defenders are going to be like, what? What is this? What is what position does this person play that wears number seventeen? I have never seen this before in my whole life. So we're not even really going to get the answers to the test until Halloween. I mean, that's fair. Justice, how have you felt about Barry's defense so far? I am surprised he's playing so soft, right? Um, I mean, from from what I've seen, it's quarters, it's quarter, quarter, half, it's cover three. It's like the cover two where, like, you're not really, like, jamming anyone. Like, you're just sinking into the, into the secondary. And then cover one where you're playing off, right? So none of those are really – spots where you're asking corners to jam up anyone or you know even create a ton of reroutes i mean you're basically just letting them run routes and you're just sorting it out from there i mean there are times you could see uh Keyshawn nixon in the past game and he's 20 yards downfield playing you know <laughs> a deep 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 cushion and you're like dude you're the you're the nickel you're the nickel how how are, how are we you know turning these guys loose that hard so i'm hoping to see some changes there i mean clearly he thinks He's going to win with his front. Um, they're doing a lot of things with that front that they haven't done before. They're doing a lot of three-by-one stuff. They're walking up the outside, the inside linebackers a whole lot more. Those are things we did not see. Kenny uh, in a wide nine. Kenny in a wide nine. We've seen <laughs> both of the defensive ends on the outside and then the outside linebackers lined up on the inside somehow. Um, so we've seen them mess around with that front a whole lot more. I just like – would like to see a less conservative, you know, secondary at some point. I mean, I don't know what it's going to take if it takes, you know, Jair playing in the slot, whatever, but it's weird to see him using, I mean, who's, who's the least invested defensive back Russell. I mean, outside of him, everyone's a first round pick basically, or yeah. Adrian Amos, who's a high price uh, free agent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you're, you, you're not using these guys really to their full ability. And I know he wants to be a quarters guy. It's nice. I mean, we're seeing what is it? I think the NFL in general, uh, first three weeks of this year compared to last three weeks or first three weeks of last year, it's five points per game has dropped. And a lot of it is just like teams are having success playing a ton of quarters and a, punch, and a ton of cover two. You can do that. But when you're mixing in cover one and stuff like that, like maybe don't start 10 yards off of the ball because like Tom Brady was eating you up and off man too. It wasn't a man or zone thing. It was an off coverage versus you pressing anyone. Is this just a, hey, we're going to play super vanilla and off and make you 
you know, march the length of the field. And until you prove you can do it, we're not going to change something. We're not going to get it like, cause it's been, like you said, fairly vanilla so far. We've seen a couple different things mixed up up front, but this very much seems like the, like you said, he just trusts his front four to get home and they're going to play everything in coverage on the back, tackle everything in front of them. When they don't tackle, it's a nightmare when they don't communicate against Minnesota, it's a nightmare, but um, they've also had pretty good point production through three games as well, defensively. So I don't know. It feels like to me, like he's turnovers have been bailing them out though. Yes. That's, that's yeah. another thing. I mean, turnovers yes. helped them a ton in that Tampa game. I know, I know they won, but that's it's fair. not like they totally shut down the offense. The offense coughed up the wide receivers coughed up the ball twice. Right. So, and they didn't have wide receivers. So that's an issue yeah. as well. So uh, delivery guys all over the, I mean, yeah, guys, this was absolutely phenomenal. I feel like we could have probably done this for another, I don't know, three days consecutively without a break, but uh, I know we got to get out of here. So justice, plug your stuff. Tell us where we can follow you uh, before we get out of here. You can find me at J U M O S Q on Twitter. I write for Acme, Acme packing company, um, two podcasts a week on, on the podcast network tomorrow. I'm going to have something on APC about uh, the weird defensive fronts. Green Bay has been throwing out and just kind of all the looks that they've had against Tampa. So check that out. I'm already excited for that. Ross, uh, what have you been working on and where can we find uh, all of your amazing stuff? Yeah. At Ross Logan on Twitter at Packer report 66, where you can find Andy's grades right now, just as an example. Uh, Today we have one, two, three VIP pieces, one from Dusty Evely, one from myself and one from Andy. If that might interest the good people, we've got two, uh, free pieces of content as well, including Packer Report TV, where Jake Stack and I break down the All-22. It's a really good. I'm not like trying to you know pat, hurt myself, pat myself on the back, but it was really good. Um, I went into the play that I pointed out where uh, they, they did the quick toss thing to Aaron Jones against the Bears and then married that to the backside RPO um, uh, to, to score against Tampa, and I, it, it was good. We've got uh, content like that going on all the time at PackerReport.com. Yeah, guys, check it out over at Packer Reports. Justice Ross, I appreciate you guys a ton. Two of the absolute best covering the Packers. I enjoy both of your work so immensely. So keep up the phenomenal work. And again, if you guys are not, for those of you listening, if you're not following Ross and Justice, please make sure to remedy that because they are my two go-to people for when I need Packers info. So uh, you should probably be doing the same. You can follow the podcast at Packaday Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Andy Herman NFL. Make sure to check out Happy Hour this Friday, which will also be live at 4.30 Central Time. Got a great panel of guests lined up for that. I'll be right back here tomorrow on the YouTube channel. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. knows the right player in the right position can be a game changer put lifelock between your identity and identity thieves to monitor and alert you to threats you could miss plus with a u.s-based restoration specialist on your team you won't have to face drained accounts fraudulent loans or other losses from identity theft alone all backed by the lifelock million dollar protection package 
change the game on identity theft. Save up to 25% your first year at lifelock.com slash aware.